the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together as we're heading in uh, to the weekend. Uh, we will cover what you need to know and uh, a lot more, a lot more. I've got some uh, another couple of great authors uh, coming down the pike um, I guess one of them will next week. I know in a few minutes we'll talk with Dick Russell. Dick Russell is a longtime, I don't know if he calls himself a friend. When you read into the biography of him, he has known RFK Jr. for a couple of decades, maybe three decades, and they overlapped on some various work uh, that they did. And And uh, Dick Russell is an investigative journalist. He's written about some of the topics that... Um, that RFK Jr. cared about over the years. And now he's written a book. And the book is really interesting. It's, um, let me make sure I get the title correct. It is the, um, the real RFK. Uh, I think that's the title. And, uh, Dick Russell has, uh, had great access, interesting access to, um, the, um, to the RFK camp and to the history and did interviews and RFK participated. And, you know, one of the things that we, uh, you have to wonder about is what exactly is the um what exactly is the ceiling for this guy because he has certainly grown on um in his uh poll numbers and in it, the attention that he's gotten and <clears throat> excuse me but what's the ceiling especially if the democrat party completely um shuts down the deba- the primary process what's the ceiling uh, the real RFK Jr., that's what it's called, Trials of a Truth Warrior, Trials of a Truth Warrior. I have to tell you a quick story. I have a friend of mine who's been voting Republican for about a decade, maybe a little more, business guy. I won't say his name because he didn't tell me he could, that I could. But he was raised um, Democrat. His family was Democrats. They were pro-life conservative Democrats. And then the party to him went crazy, the Democrats. He just told me yesterday by text. He registered as a Democrat again because he wants to vote for RFK, a junior, in the primary. So we'll talk with Dick Russell, the author of The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior. It's from Skyhorse, our friends over there uh, that uh, do some good, interesting stuff, and we'll get more. We also will visit with our friend Sean, Sean Carney of 40 Days for Life, catch up with him, uh, his response. He had a response I saw on Twitter and other places to uh, the Democrats uh, the other night saying, oh, nobody wants abortion till the end of the pregnancy. No, no. And uh, Sean Carney jumped on that and said, oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. In fact, you can make a list as long as my arm about people that want the Democrats that want that. So we'll talk with Sean Carney. But first, what you need to know, I know you've been waiting for it. The mugshot, the arrest, uh, Fulton County, Georgia, Donald J. Trump arrested, mugshotted, fingerprint. I don't know if he was fingerprinted or not. Um, here's the thing. If you look on Twitter, what you need to know is the left is exalted. The left is excited. The left is celebrating everything. Oh, this is amazing. It's great. And I think they thought that this would be sort of the final nail in the coffin, that somehow this would be, you get a mugshot, you must be really down and out. And here's what I want to tell you. My wife came down to the kitchen table. We get the uh, Wall Street Journal delivered to the house. And so I had gotten up early and I had that. It was on the table. And there was the pit mugshot of Trump. 
And she said, after looking at it for a minute or so, and looked at the article and she said, you know, these people are just mean. They're just mean. And here's what you need to know. And what the Democrats don't know, Biden doesn't know, but they're learning. When you're mean, people feel it. Nobody like it, it, this is the only way you could make Donald Trump look like the bullied instead of the bully. And across the country, people are looking up and they're going, what? What? What is this? You, you're, you're making somebody take a mugshot who's famous around the world. You're not exactly going to hide. This isn't like in these movies or in these books. You know, a hundred years ago, you could actually be in one city, you know, St. Louis, and commit a crime or do something, and you could flee to another city and get your hair cut and get a shave and put on a different color, color shirt, and people might not recognize you. That's the sort of premise of a lot of stories. In fact, there's a lot of stories that have to do with somebody, you know, the famous Les Miserables. I mean, they, they, someone who has lives a whole life and is in fear that they're going to be discovered. That's not America, or it's not. that's not the world in 2023. There's no hiding, period. But especially there's no hiding if you're Donald Trump. So anyway, so the mugshot was mean. And it was mean. It was a mean thing to do. And my wife said that, and I thought, no, that's it. That's it. This thing is tipping. Because my wife is not, she loves Trump and his policies, but she doesn't spend a lot of time on politics. And when she says that's mean, it's an indication that people are going to find this mean, in my experience. My wife is usually a pretty good sort of early indicator of how people react. And that's how it looks. If you look across Twitter and Facebook and other places, social media, if you listen to reactions, people are like, what? And the, the, what <laughs> Trump, of course, took the opportunity to tweet, literally tweet on Twitter, on X, first time since in two and a half years that he's been on X, that he went on there and he said, uh, I'm back. And then he said, never surrender. And it has galvanized the American people, especially Republicans, but even the American people, that Trump's being targeted, that Trump is being targeted and that, you know, Hillary never got a mugshot. You know, um, Joe Biden's never had a mugshot. I don't even think that even Hunter did Hunter Biden even get a mugshot. He's actually been arrested. Did he get a Did he get a? Or did he just say, "Oh no, you know, you know who I am. I'll never flee." I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe Hunter Biden did get a mugshot. No, I don't think so. I think there's an article out there now that I'm looking at, uh, and I don't think he ever got a mugshot. So think about people know now. They're not just saying, "Oh, these people are hypocritical." They're not just saying one set is corrupt and one's not. What they're saying is. This is they're targeting Trump and only Trump could either survive this. Most people couldn't survive and also could turn it into a positive thing, turn it into something that you use for energy. I heard someone describe Trump as an energy monster. They call him energy. He just gobbles up monsters like Pac-Man. When something happens that's bad, he just turns it into energy and goes charging forward. And so he he's like a, he's like an energy monster, no matter what, including something like this. He just turns it into energy. He just turns it right into energy and goes uh, on to the next thing. And that's what he did. You can see that's what he did. It's extraordinary to watch. It's, it's amazing to see. It is uh, it is something uh, um, to uh, to behold. I, I have to say, I, I today I um, don't doubt anymore that Trump's a nominee. I never doubted that. But I think he probably wins, except. Except, here's what I got to tell you. There's one guy I think I tell you, I, I watch on Twitter, on X, 
and that's Cernovich, Mike Cernovich. He tends to have the same feeling that I do. We're relatively similar in age. We've got a little bit different background. He comes from real uh, poverty and up from nothing. Um, but, as, but, but I follow him and I think he puts a lot of things in perspective in a way that feels like I feel. Other people that I read, I just don't, I, I like reading Jonathan Turley and I'm a lawyer too, but I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel what he does. Cernovich, I feel. And when uh, Cernovich is, uh, for example, over the last 24 hours, Cernovich has been talking about Trump and he's been saying, look, they, they um, the left expected it to this to demoralize conservatives and the Republicans. And it didn't. And he says all these things, you know, the people people are, are motivated and they're energized and they're excited. However, what he also says a couple different times in a couple, a couple di- different ways is that he says this is really bad. This is a really bad thing. Now, in the last 24 hours, too, uh, Elon Musk has been his company has been charged with not doing enough to help illegal migrants. Uh, and then as someone pointed out you're in a uh, industry. This is about the SpaceX that is regulated by a certain set of national security rules. And you're not allowed to let foreign nationals look at stuff. So which is it? Which is it? So, but anyway, but he's being targeted. There's no way he's not being tar- targeted by uh, DOJ. And the, and the reality is it, that when when um, what I what I saw Cernovich say is, oh, here's one quote: Trump is unfazed. Most of us would have been broken. Four indictments, dozens of fake charges, and then he's looking at the picture. But Cernovich goes on and says there is no um, there's no way that this there's no way to figure out how this turns out except to go through it. In other words, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's really bad. We, and he said the, these, the people that these the left doesn't understand the uh, we're out moneyed, we're out propagandized, we're outgunned legally, and yet the regi- regime Biden administration doesn't get it. But he said there's still a way out through. We have to find it and push it. It is um, my point here is that as much as I think Donald Trump turned this into a an incredible. Uh, opportunity for him because he's a, an energy monster. It's scary. This is a scary, scary time. This is way beyond what anybody could have imagined. I couldn't have imagined this. And it, it feels, again, Cernovich puts his hands on, uh, that it feels like there's a revolution against us, against we the people. He wrote this, all hands on deck now to stop this Bolshevik revolution. Lots of prominent people who would vote Trump but don't want to alienate their li- their liberal listeners. Look what's happening in cities. It's it's um it is uh it is kind of scary to be honest. It's kind of scary. And what you need to know though is I, I agree exactly with what Cernovich said. There's no other way than to assess what's going on, be where you are, and go through it, fight through it. And that's what you need to know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin. Pro America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, it's um, a great topic and great timing because I have been having this uh, back and forth exchange with a friend of mine. I'll tell you in a moment. We have an author again with us. Dick Russell is the author of The Real RFK Jr. Trials of a Truth Warrior. He's an investigative journalist. He's written, uh, I think, more than 15 books, uh, New York Times bestsellers. He's been a co-author. I think this one's fascinating with Jesse Ventura, uh, who for a period of probably a decade was uh, cutting a, a, 
a, a um, cutting a pathway across the American political scene that uh, was pretty radical, independent and uh, and successful and winning up in Minnesota as governor. Uh, and so, well, first of all, welcome Dick Russell to the program. How are you, sir? I'm good, Ed. Thanks so much for having me today. You're welcome. The Real RFK Jr. Trials of a Truth Warrior. So let me tell you first, I got a text from a friend of mine who has been voting Republican for a decade, but was raised a Democrat. He said he de- registered yesterday as a Democrat to because he wants to vote for RFK Jr. in uh, the uh, in the primary. How big a movement do you I, I know you're not a politician or a political guy, but you're a uh, an experienced investigative reporter. How big a movement does RFK Jr. have moving here, going here? What's your feeling? You know, my feeling is that, that he's getting more and more support, especially as he goes out there and, and meets with the people, He both in Iowa and South Carolina this past week. I mean, he had huge crowds. And, you know, the message is getting out there that, that he's a fighter for the people, that he wants to, you know, do everything he can to resurrect the middle class that just got eviscerated during the pandemic. And uh, and that he disagrees with a lot of the policies of the, of the Biden administration that that he feels we've got to get peace in, in the Ukraine. And he's ready to, you know, start those kind of talks. And and uh, we need to do something about the border crisis where the cartels are dominating everything, uh, you know, sending the drugs in from the, that's what he's seen personally in Yuma, Arizona. So, you know, he's he's, I think, appealing to a, a broad spectrum of people and his favorability rating in the last uh, poll uh, that I saw was higher than either Biden or President, uh, former President Trump. Yeah, no, I mean, there's it's some sort of phenomenon, I, I, and I'm not sure politically yet where it is. By the way, the book, again, is real The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior. It's uh, from our friends over at Skyhorse uh, Publishing and uh, available everywhere you buy books. Uh, Dick has his own website, dickrussell.org, I think he said. Uh, I'll make sure. Yeah, dickrussell.org. Um, so... Um, what what's the what's the why is this happening and 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 let me tell you my thesis and it's in your title i guess and when i was reading your book i mean there's it's it's uh, um rfk junior owes no one nothing so you don't wonder if he's in the bag for this group or that group or this group or that group he doesn't owe the Rep- democrat party anything doesn't owe the republican party anything doesn't know doesn't need their money doesn't need their validation he and and i think that not only comes through but when you look at what he's been saying the way he's been talking about truth he goes to the border looks at the border and comes back and says yeah that's a disaster and does a video that says it's a disaster that's his own party that's his you're supposed to be a democrat you're supposed to sort of find a way to nuance that thing he, he says disaster there's something that it's almost like he's got nothing left to lose and therefore he just lets it rip yeah i mean look at how he's been vilified by the big media you know for some years now because of his uh unorthodox stance on public health you know they've accused him of uh being crazy of being a conspiracy theorist of being you know an anti-vaxxer which he's really not i mean he wants safe vaccines that are tested adequately before they're given to people so you know, he's been, he's been, he, he touches a chord in people because he's been there with the, as an environmental lawyer, he, he knows that the, 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 the EPA was captured by the chemical industry and the big oil companies. And then fighting for public health, he knows that the pharmaceutical industry has captured the CDC and the FDA and the NIH. And he's pointed all these things out, you know, so he's 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 telling the truth as he as he sees it and he's done his homework. So, you know, I think uh, people are, are are relating to that and, and people don't trust the government anymore. So, uh, I mean, a lot of people don't. And, and I think that he's a breath of fresh air to those folks. 
Our, our guest is Dick Russell, and he's the author of uh, the, the book, uh, The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior. I have to say on on two topics, uh, dramatically, he's dramatically informed me. One is the when he did the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and I didn't I didn't read it. I listened to it as a book on tape, and it's stunning. And then I was listening to him do an interview, I think maybe Tucker or somebody, and he talked about uh, the assassinations and how the CIA was lying about things. And I went back and, and again, read, uh, listened to a book on tape. Uh, audible that he had told me about that he mentioned i think the unspeakable uh i guess it might have been the title and on the on the jfk assassination and i thought oh my gosh like and so my my question here is what's the path forward he doesn't mind being he doesn't need to get tenure at a big law a law school he just did his thing because he's rfk jr i'm talking about his career he doesn't need to get funding for his book or his uh movement because he's rfk jr but what's the future here? Can he's not getting a debate with Biden? He's getting boxed out by the Democrats. Is how do you does he do you think he has a a a plan or a a, a path forward? You know, I think his plan, as he's outlined it to me in the past, is he's just uh, going to keep go going out and talking to the people and and seeing what support he can muster. And I and I think that as, as I said, uh, he's starting to to really make inroads that way. And um, so I think he's just going to continue to do that. He's somebody who does appeal to people across party lines because uh, he doesn't really, you know, care about towing a particular line. He's he's always worked closely with Republicans and independents in his environmental fights. And then they, you know, whatever would get the job done, he's been willing to do it. So um, I think, you know, he doesn't have another plan at the moment. I mean, I. I, I'm pretty sure uh, Biden does not want to debate him because I think uh, Bobby Kennedy would pretty much take him apart in debates. Um, so, you know, we'll just have to see. Uh, yeah, his poll numbers are rising, but they're, of course, uh, they're not equal to Biden's at this point in time. But, you know, we're a long way away from the primaries even. So yeah. I'm optimistic that uh, you know, he can he can. Uh, he can he maybe can do it when you when i don't even know this answer but is is rfk jr somebody because he's a kennedy or whatever that he's i know he's independently wealthy right i mean is that is that a no is it a publicly known thing that he has x amount of wealth and therefore because to me i think people americans it's a funny thing they don't resent it i think they actually now think you're not going to have to chase like the bidens have had to chase money to to have extra homes because they're in office is it a known a public thing that how wealthy he is that sort of insulates him well, yeah, I mean, I, but I don't think it's the wealth is that, you know, you know, it's high. I mean, I think they recently came out and said he made, I don't know, I forget the figure, but it wasn't, you know, like millions of dollars last year. Right. Um, so, you know, yes, he's, he's grown up in a privileged uh, fashion in that sense, but, but, um, you know, he's, he's also, uh, started nonprofits and, and made right. sure that they, they were adequately funded, like Children's Health Defense and, and, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that it's something that's, uh, he's also got these super PACs now that are raising money for him and, right. and, uh, supporting what he's doing. Yeah. You know, I, 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 we're talking again, Dick Russell. I'm sorry. I'm back, back to my notes because I want to ask you about this. One of the things that I think is very effective is that he's famous. He's handsome. He's wealthy, all that stuff, but he, he's candid about addiction. And the whole country now, I think, is more candid about addiction, whether it's alcohol addiction or drug addiction. And uh, and when he talked about that not too long ago and said, we've got to have, I think he called them healing centers. It seemed yeah. to me that it was sort of the ultimate, you talk about truth, telling the truth about our culture. It was very powerful. I, I, I imagine that addiction period informs a lot of how he's able to function and succeed like he does. 
Oh, it absolutely does, because he's he's very forthright about it. He was, uh, after his father's assassination, he was a teenager. He was 15 years old. He was traumatized, you can imagine, and yeah. and uh, and young and wild. And he became a heroin addict, actually, for 14 years. Very high functioning, but, you know, it, it was getting to him, and he just about didn't survive it. And, and mm-hmm. so he went into AA, um, and he's still part of AA today, and he's helped literally, you know, probably thousands of people with their own problems. And I think that... Mm-hmm. You know, families now that are facing the opioid crisis that we have, uh, he, he's able. To, he's been on the bottom. You know, I mean, he right. he's somebody who's really pulled himself up to become who he is um, through some very tough times, and therefore, I think he can relate to people and vice versa who who have those kind of problems uh, in their own families. Yeah, I, I think that is powerful. And the way he did it on the healing centers, because at this point, you know, it's kind of like if you're, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there was a sort of judgmental edge. You know, you need to go to rehab. Well, he's he's talking about healing. I think it's effective. All right. Uh, unfortunately, it goes so fast. We're out of time. Our author is uh, Dick Russell, The Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior, available from Skyhorse. I think we'll probably have you on again and again, because I think this uh, this phenomenon, the RFK phenomenon is not going away. So thank you, sir, for your time. Thanks so much, Ed. Good to talk to you today. Good to talk to you. All right, Dick Russell, we will uh, make sure to put up uh, his website as well as a link to the book. And uh, again, you're not going to hear, you're going to hear more and more about uh, RFK Jr., especially uh, with uh, advocates like Dick Russell being able to talk about the context of his long career. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I, I have to say, when someone sent me this, I don't know who it was. I have to look back at my notes. Said uh, when Jen Psaki made a comment, she said, no one supports abortion through uh, birth. And and I thought, that's crazy. And someone said this to me. They said, you know, Sean Carney, get Sean Carney on the on the uh, show. Let's talk with him again. He's been on frequently. He's the president and CEO of 40 Days for Life. He's very good at this. And uh, he saw, he would never use this kind of phrasing. He wouldn't say, call BS on it. But I mean, I think it, off the air, he might because he's 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 got enough Irish in him. So, Sean, welcome back to the program. How are you? <laughs> good, good. And it, yeah, it is it is BS. It's like saying no one supports tax cuts. Right. Like this is a unfortunately common political belief by the majority of Democrats, if not all of them. When you when you actually ask them, so it it's not like saying you know I believe in Sasquatch. This is this is a very common thing. Yeah, well, and and but what what I think is so effective about the response is they all said it with a straight face and then the media, you know, let it sit there because, you 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 know, you don't have to make a you don't have to wait a long time to come up with a list of of identified Democrats who actually say they're for it. The other Democrats all vote for it. Right. And and they may go back to their district and say or they may go, go run for governor or whatever, you know, up in Pennsylvania. Josh Shapiro made it sound like he's moderate on this, but the, their policies of the of the Democrat Party, look at their platform. Right. But but you don't have to go far to find some of them that are in safe districts. They just say it outright. I mean, it's it's incredible. And, and the media lets them get away with it. They do. And I would encourage your listeners, and, and I've done this. Why not? Why, why don't they allow abortion up to the day of birth? Why would you restrict a woman's right to autonomy over her own body? Uh, what's wrong with abortion? If it's a, if it's healthcare, then you should get it whenever you need it or desire it. 
So anytime they step back and they're like, well, we don't want abortion at 30 weeks. Well, why not? What's wrong with an abortion? Right. Um, and so they've, they put themselves in this thing where they've gotten so far from Clinton with safe, legal and rare that now they have to justify all abortions all the time, including infanticide. And that's what they're doing. So when mm-hmm. one of their own, like Jen, comes out and says, no, that's crazy. We don't we don't want abortion up to the day of birth. We need to say, well, why not? Right. Because right, everything right. else we right. hear is exactly is right. Well, and that's and that's and exactly that's that that's your that's your description that, you know, that, that abortion is is this. Therefore, why would you stop now? I, I do like to point out that this is also in the say the last five years there's very specific examples. You know, uh, in Virginia, Governor Northam had these comments where he basically said, you know, a baby's going to be born and you're going to have to decide post-birth. Now, he sort of backed off of it, kind of not really. But then one of the, his delegates in the, ha- in the House of Delegates, I forget her name now, uh, filed a bill saying basically that. And, and then up in New York, it was a race. At that point, I think uh, Cuomo didn't know he was going to be taken out uh, by the, the powers that be. He was getting ready to run for a president, I think. And so he was trying to compete. But, again, these are not modern. These are not moderate policies, not moderate statements. No, this is unfortunately old news. I mean, Northam, he didn't say he supported it. He described it to us in creepy detail. And Cuomo didn't come out and say, hey, man, this is tough. But sometimes the life of the mother or whatever, you got to do it at 40 weeks or 39 weeks. He didn't do that. He was clapping and smiling and giving everybody uh, high fives and lighting up the Empire State Building, you know, pink to celebrate. So this isn't like a reluctant backdoor like, hey, you know, we really believe this, but we don't want to talk about it. They're proud of it. And right. and so, you know, either she doesn't have Google or she just is totally cut off from society. But this is a very common and celebrated belief by the Democrats. We're talking again with Sean Carney, uh, 40 Days for Life, the uh, president CEO. Um, uh, uh, Sean, is the how did you think that the Republican debate went in terms of speaking about abortion? And and, and th- there's a lot of uh, political double talk and, and, and you know, and, and you kind of cut through it and you're like, well, here's where we are. How'd you feel? Yeah, they're ill-equipped. Uh, I was really excited about the debate because we knew abortion would, would come up. Uh, they're not good at it. Uh, Nikki Haley is getting a lot of credit, but she, she, she had a very eloquent statement that said nothing and made no sense. Um, <laughs> and so, and I love Ron DeSantis, but God bless him. He looked so uncomfortable. He looked like he had to go to the bathroom half the night. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was a, str- it was odd. The, the whole debate was yeah, odd. It was. Um, and, and I thought what was, what was odd also was Trump's interview with Tucker. Uh, cause I was excited about watching that. And, and of course, Trump's like the most pro-life president in the history of our country. And it, that was weird. They talk about, did Epstein kill himself? They went on and on about stuff. And we're like, how are you going to fix the country? I mean, it was a very odd interview. The debate was odd. And it was not hopeful at all that the Republicans yeah, would win it, in 2024. It was a strange night for sure. It was a strange night for sure. I I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think um, this week, if anything, has reinforced that whatever you think of it, we can have a different debate. And I, you know, I'm I'm on out there as a pretty uh, a big uh, supporter of President Trump's performance. But the, the phenomenon of Trump is off the charts. I mean, uh, 250 million people watched that interview. I agree with you. I watched it. I was actually happy to watch Twitter. I don't know if anybody else did this because I could turn the, the speed up so I could yeah. watch it in 1.5. So it didn't take 48 minutes. It took me 30 minutes. I was happy with that because I just wanted to get through it. I think I, don't know. <laughs> I, I love I, look, I could listen to Trump talk all day. I, I like him. I think he's hysterical. But I was like, this is this is a very weird interview. Yeah. And I want to go back to DeSantis. OK, yeah. so he did look uncomfortable. 
if you take this everything DeSanta has said and you write it out, it's mm-hmm. phenomenal. His mm-hmm. content was excellent. He's the only one that could rival Trump. Everybody knows that. Right. Um, and his record is awesome. He is a phenomenal governor. I think he'd be a phenomenal president. Where I lost confidence was eventually Trump's not going to be able to skip debates if DeSantis, right. who everybody really loved. I'm, I know I criticize him, but a lot of people were like, oh, DeSantis was great. He won the debate. I, I thought he was way too rehearsed. But it, he's the only one that could really challenge Trump. And I didn't have confidence that on the debate stage, if Trump were to do a debate with him, I don't know. He could get better. He could, you know, you know, it's the first night out and it's tough. It's a nerve wracking environment for sure. But he could do better uh, in the future. But he would have to. He would have to. If Trump were on that stage the other night, he would have crushed all those people. You know, uh, we're done with Sean Carney. Sean, in one of our previous interviews, I was interested because I, I think I asked you about um, people are saying, oh, you know, Planned Parenthood, uh, there's not going to be clinics the same way. And you were like, look, we know there's clinics. We're going to be in front of them. We're going to be praying. We're going to be doing our thing. We're not paying attention to that. But I, uh, broad, more broadly, when you watch that debate, the Republicans, they didn't have a good theory of the moment for um, for life. And so they had, no. you know, they had they had the, 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 the behemoth of Roe v. Wade for 50 years. You could point at and say, we've got to get rid of that. Well, it's gone. And now what do you do? And I, I do feel like the um, the parties, uh, the Democrats don't care. They like just pay for it, pay for abortion. But the, the Republican Party, you know, uh, leaders, meaning elected officials and others, as well as pro-life groups are, are sort of feeling their way. That That's real, right? It is real. And what the the theme of the Republicans, the way they all treated abortion the other night, as if it's a negative and a loser. And this is the only, by the way, the only cultural f- movement that we're winning on. The only cultural front that we're winning on. We're losing, we lost gay marriage. We lo- we're losing the trans thing. And, and I think we'll win that in the end, but we're at the beginning of that fight, but we're winning with life and they all treat it as if this were a bad day for America. Nobody complimented the justices. Nobody, it, nobody spoke to why they overturned yeah, road. Yeah, nobody yeah. quoted Alito's opinion. It was right. just so elementary. I'm like, this is such a positive and there's so much good that you can, you know, uh, get from it. I think they're, they're, um, they're not looking at the governors who owned it and won handedly in 2022, which is Kemp DeSantis and, and Greg Abbott. Um, so it's really, and by the way, here in Texas where I live, the goofball Beto who ran against Abbott, his whole campaign was abortion, the entire thing. And he had tons of ammo because Greg Abbott is just mercilessly pro-life. He's phenomenal. Um, and he provides $150 million a year from our surplus to women who choose life. So it, it, his whole campaign was about abortion. He got crushed. He yeah. got crushed. And none of these other Republicans, they just treat it like oh gosh, that's going to come up and I'm going to run out of the room. And that yeah. shouldn't be the approach. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's good. I mean, I think you're right. I just think it's that we're in this sort of transition or time of transition. And, and as you point out, it's really true. One thing you really hit it. It's crazy that these people don't know enough to say thank you. They should say thank you to Alito. Thank you for being. They move right on. In fact, I hate to do this. I shouldn't. But the, the March for Life after Roe v. Wade was reversed, they, they spent most of their time sort of talking about life and how great it was. They didn't even think to thank, you know, the justices and Trump and others. It's just it's it's mind boggling. And, and as you know, uh, people respond to behavior based on how you respond to them. So, Sean, I'm out of time, unfortunately. Sean Carney, I will put up on social media. I, I just filibustered at the end on him. Otherwise, I would have given another 10 seconds. It's 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. Find out a lot more about what Sean Carney, the CEO and president, is doing and a lot more of what they're doing there. Lots of good work. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The influence of globalist megadonors was recently revealed in the sudden impeachment of conservative Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. But their hand is also reflected in how Texas Republicans enacted a Convention of States resolution to seek a new convention under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. When the late Justice Scalia was asked in 2015 about the desirability of holding a new constitutional convention, he called it a, quote, horrible idea, end quote. Yet to appease his ego-driven donors, Texas Governor Abbott made the Convention of States one of his highest legislative priorities in 2017. He put this ahead of border security and other important issues. Republican legislators who would ordinarily oppose this were then bullied to vote for it, but on the condition that it would expire in eight years. This year, conservatives in 10 other states have defeated this convention of states, what Scalia called a horrible idea. Yet the dark money backing this deceptive attempt to change our Constitution insisted on tacking another eight-year extension to the 2017 Texas application to Congress for a convention. The good news is that a Democrat state representative raised a point of order against the eight-year extension of the Convention of States, so it died when the Texas legislature adjourned. Leading proponents of a Convention of States insist that their convention to amend the Constitution would not be a true constitutional convention. Yet leading legal dictionaries simply define a constitutional convention as a duly constituted assembly of delegates, for the purpose of framing, revising, or amending its constitution. The proponents ignore how Article 5 of our Constitution clearly says that Congress, not the states, will call the convention, because they don't want to admit that their convention will only give more power to the Congress that they claim to stand against. A constitutional convention, or convention of states, is not the answer to our country's problems. It's just another power grab by the globalists. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Anyone pushing for a constitutional convention doesn't have a full appreciation for the brilliance and beauty of the original document ratified back in 1788. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find all kinds of reasons why a con-con could be a disaster for the American way of life. Check out phyllisschlafly.com and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I previewed earlier in the Pro-America Report my reasons, part of my reasons for you to come and be a part of Eagle Council in St. Louis on September 15th, 16th, and 17th this year, just a month or so from now. And I want to go through that a little bit more. Every year for the past 52 years, it's actually been a little bit more than that because there was at least one year where we could not have the event. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly hosted Eagle Council. And Eagle Council was a gathering of what she called her eagles, uh, what we call uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles today. It's a group of people. It, it's it's a little loosely defined. It's not um, only sort of membership, like uh, pay $20 and you're a Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. It's kind of being affiliated with Phyllis Schlafly's work, which is broadly described as pro-family, pro-life, uh, certainly pro-America, pro-America report, but also America first. She used that phrase quite a bit. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was someone who had a great vision 
for how America's specialness came about, um, founded in the Constitution and the rule of law and the founding values and things like uh, patent law, uh, property rights around inventions and things. She described uh, marvelously in some of her writings about how powerful that was. She had this great vision of the Constitution being extraordinarily powerful at knitting us together and having protections for our system, all these things. She was a great woman of faith. So she believed that our Judeo-Christian values at the founding and our Christian values uh, fundamentally informed how we lived, and it made a big difference. So our gatherings are not the cattle call gatherings. If you go to CPAC, you've probably seen the pictures. If you've attended, they sometimes have 4,000, 5,000 people. They'll have a room that'll have a, a 5,000, oh, 2,500 people watching the big speeches. Um, they'll have dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of, um, uh, tables and, and booths and all. It's really like a trade show. And now Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's group, they do similar things. We're just huge crowds. They're, now they're not, I'm not describing them as not without value. I think they all have their own value. They fit a certain niche, um, depending on, you know, the, the Koch brothers used to have big events and they tended to be more sort of globalist and libertarian leaning and different kinds of things. You can go to some incredibly powerful, large gatherings of pro-lifers, uh, some of the pro-life conventions, the, uh, March for Life in, um, in DC now has sort of conventions wrapping around it. They're very powerful. What Eagle Council is, is a kind of gathering of doers, of people who are already in the fray. They've decided to make a difference in the community they're in. Sometimes they're volunteers at the grassroots level. Sometimes they're elected officials. Sometimes their issue is pro-life or pro-family. Sometimes the issue is education or transparency. Um, it, it's It's a different kind of gathering. We have had... 1,200 people for the presidential candidates in 2015. That was a huge, almost a, uh, our biggest event that I've been a part of. But other times we'll have 150 at a meal. But the, what's happening at the meal and what's happening in the rooms is of the quality of, in, in two ways. One, you got a lot of wise people. You got a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes some these days we're missing some of our greats. Kitty Worthman, who passed away in the last year and a half, I guess it was. She was um, extraordinary. But so are people like Marilyn Shannon. She's the chairman of the board of the Phyllis Life Legals. Tamara Scott, Noreen McCann, um, all these different folks, our own staff, so experienced. They The quality of the people and the experience level is off the charts. So what do you get? You get the networking opportunity that can amplify your uh, skill set and your um, uh, it can amplify what you're doing by giving you more um, strength and resolve and uh, and experience. So, for example, Woody Woodrum out in California, one of our great leaders, he's been coming, he and his wife Donna, for years. And when it comes to the fight in California for the platform committee, for example, which is going on right now, Woody's a guy I can call and say, hey, Woody, who, who's who? What's what? Where are the, the key players? You know, where's the traps here? And that kind of thing. So you get two things. You get quality people, which is valuable for wisdom, and then you get Real good education. Education on the key issues. This year, we're going to have a, a speaker on immigration who you've heard on the program, Todd Bensman. He's on the front lines all the time. If you want to understand the issues and you want to amplify your positions, which I hope is to secure the border and, and get our country under control, you want Bensman in your camp. You want him in your hip pocket. 
it, this got so we got so good at this that there was a moment where in the European Parliament, one member of the European Parliament, Dominic Tarzinski from Poland, was speaking to a policymaker from Germany. And both guys, Dominic and this German, had been to our Eagle Council. We've had the Hungarians there. The Hungarians there speaking about how they use the law to protect and promote the family, the tax code and otherwise. People that say, oh, law's got to be neutral to the family. Neutral to the family is is not neutral. It's a policy decision. And so you've got to decide what you're going to protect and incentivize. Anyway, so all these networking opportunities, and here's why it's so important. In the next couple of years, on the issue of life, because Roe v. Wade is gone, and now we have a brave, new, wide-open landscape, on the issue of immigration and the future of our country based on what we've had in this invasion, on the future of education because of how we've seen what COVID did, we have sort of wide open fields where a lot of leadership is needed. And you've got to get wise and connected, wise and connected, not just connected, not just loud, not just encouraged, get wise and connected. Eagle Council, Eagle Council is where you want to come September 15th, 16th, and 17th in St. Louis. You can come in. It's uh, right at the airport Marriott. It works. It's really easy to come in. It's really easy to be a part of it. If you go to EagleCouncil.com, EagleCouncil.com, you can go there and find out all the details and sign up. EagleCouncil.com. You're going to want to be a part of it. we got some big announcements of speakers that are coming in the next couple of days. So there you have it. As always, thank you to Noah Dingley, Ryan Height, Mason Mohan, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.